praying for this this afternoon and thinking about um, the Nazarene Church in Fayetteville, New Direction, which is now, hey, Pastor Joe, Waking Life, and then to think of the house down here on 231 <laughs> with the little garage behind it, there, then the building out front here, and then see the expansion in here, just how faithful the Lord has been. And he is faithful uh, to us or even when we're not faithful. But yet it's the faithfulness of his people that he blesses and increases and advances. And I just want to tell you guys that we're proud of you, very proud of you, and excited to be a part of what God has been doing through, through the years. 20, the number 20 in the Bible uh, means uh, perfected completion of waiting. It's connected to waiting. Matter of fact, most people, if I were to say Jacob and Laban, you would immediately go to 14 years, but it was 20 years before he got everything. 20 years before he got everything. And uh, it was Barak and Deborah that they had to wait 20 years uh, for the children of Israel to be delivered from the bondage of King Jiam uh, there. And I'm telling you, you're living in a, God's a God of numbers. He's such a God of numbers. He wrote a book about it called Numbers. And, and that even sounds funny, and, 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 it, and it is good to laugh and just to get chuckled by that a little bit, but I think sometimes we take the chuckle and we forget the truth. To realize God would not have a book about numbers if he wasn't concerned about numbers. And he literally knows when he's coming back, and his days are numbered, it says. So today is one of those days, like it was in, 20, in, in 1998, Dale, it was numbered that day, and to think 24 years, those years are numbered in the Lamb's Book of Life. Life has numbers, it has timing to it, and it is time to wake up out of your slumber. I, I want to come across very loving and very kind, and yet somewhat exhortive, but maybe also a little bit of a a reprimand or reproof, I don't think you really worshipped where you could have worshipped tonight. I, I've never seen this before, but I had a vision while we're worshipping. And, and worship is like cream. It rises to the top, but I don't think anybody went to another level. I think everybody just kind of stayed where they were, but didn't go to another level. Because it's just another night. It's just another night, and you'll have another one tomorrow morning, and maybe you had one last night, but... I really believe, and I was like, Lord, can I go forward? He said, no, they need to go forward. It, worship pulls out and draws forward. It moves forward. And very, I don't know, just a few people move forward. I shared this two nights ago when I was in Texas. I preached Wednesday night and Thursday night in Texas, flew home yesterday, and hadn't shared this in a while. But when I was in Outreach Ministries of Alabama, which you guys are very familiar with, and I was a student there, and this would have been 32 years ago, maybe 34 years ago now. I'm not sure when it was. And, and, and I'm worshiping. This is my story. This is my song. I'm praising my Savior all the day long. And I heard this voice from behind me, which was not uncommon in Outreach Ministries when you have a bunch of ex-drug addicts that are, that are competing with each other to, to serve Jesus. I heard this voice say, you liar. I thought, who is it? And I was turning around thinking, I'm gonna, we're going to fight after the service, but right now I'm, I'm praising God, okay? And uh, it wasn't another student. It was the Holy Spirit. 
And I said, what do you mean? I'm, I'm worshiping. What do you mean I'm a liar? He said, you haven't been praising me all the day long. Your, your lips are serving me, but your heart is far from me. Yeah, but it's here right now. Yeah, but I want it all day. Yeah, but I'm here at church. Yeah, but I want you in my presence. The reality is, is what Pastor Eric and AJ are saying, that it's really, it's really up to you. It's your prayer that's going to make the difference. God doesn't change. The same God that, that could there'd be a sweeping revival tomorrow night could have been a sweeping revival tonight. It doesn't change. It's the prayers. It's the prayers. I mean, to stop and think that he called you out just like Lazarus. If you don't remember where you were, I know some of you. If you don't remember where you were, you have forgotten who he is. I mean, we, we literally, I honestly believe that we were on the threshold of the tippy toes or the brink or the, or the door post. I, we were right there to literally, we, we could have taken the roof off tonight if we would have moved to where we needed to move to. The worship team was feeling it. They're trying to like, come on, come on. You see, you think, but we're waiting for them to feel for us. And then I was just to follow them there. I think we should have been throwing our, our lives on the ground. I think we should have been, when I say liar, I mean, you sing songs about I throw up my hands and I, and I bend on my knees, but you don't throw up your hands, don't bend on your knees, you're lying. Or you're just singing. Joshua heard a sound. He said, I hear, I hear singing. Is it life or is it death? He said, but I hear singing. And I think on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and where we get together, all he's hearing is singing. Worship is a sacrifice. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, I, I beseech you to present yourself a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable act of worship. Maybe it's not your night to be on the stage, but it's sure enough your night to be on the altar. And that's what an altar really is, is a place of worship. When was the last time you threw yourself at Jesus, laid prostrate before the Lord? I find in the Bible, those who shouted the loudest, cried the hardest, begged the most, reached in the furthest, they seem to be the ones that got in the stories. We want their stories. We don't want their worship. This is something that's burning in my heart right now. It is what could happen when you worship? What could happen when we worship? You see, first, something will happen in you when you worship. And once it's happening in you, your worship will go to another level. And something will start happening to people around you. It'll create an atmosphere, an environment. Worship changes what goes on in heaven. When the living creatures start to worship, heaven starts to worship to another level. That leper came to Jesus. It literally came to him and worshiped him. A leper. You see, Jesus didn't reach into the leprosy colony and say, okay, little buddy, come on out here. I'll make it a nice environment for you, and I'll clean you up. No, he said, you come out of there. You get me. You're not allowed to, but if you do what you're not allowed to do, I'll do what they say I'm not allowed to do. Oh, what you sow is what you reap. You see, they told Jesus, you can't heal on the Sabbath. They told Jesus, they told the apostles, said, you can't preach that anymore. You can't do that stuff anymore. We're going to kill you. We're going to persecute. We're going to imprison you. See, he said, you're not allowed to come out of leopard. You know, they weren't allowed to 
interact as lepers. He broke the barriers by worship. He, he went beyond the measure. I just want to ask you tonight, I literally, honestly, out of the depths of my heart. I mean, I'm in a stage of age right now that I really don't have to get a good altar call to feel confident about my ministry. But the reality is out of my heart, did, did, you, did you go as far as you could tonight in worship? Honestly, I believe tonight somebody could have prophesied. Honestly, believe tonight somebody could have had a tongue and an interpretation. Somebody could have had a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. Somebody other than just AJ. He stepped out. He went further. Our worship isn't just in singing what they're singing. It's in being where his being is. Listen to this. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. It says that he called us out of darkness and into a marvelous Light to show forth, to show forth his praise. He's calling, are we responding? Just like Lazarus, he called you out. Do you remember the day he called your name? I could take you where I was. I could take you to the second one, the third one, the fifth. One. I could take you down the line and said, that's where he called me. But I could also take you to the places where I found him. He called, I had to respond. But there were times that I came when there wasn't a whisper, there wasn't a call, there was nothing else, there wasn't a dollar in the bank, there wasn't, there wasn't a, 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 a place to preach on the schedule, there was nothing. There wasn't food in the cupboards, but I went and I met with him. And those were always sure times that he responded. So, is there the possibility that you're holding on to something that will not let you get to him. What you do not let go of will not let go of you. It won't. Listen to me. You are responsible for this. I mean, we're singing. That's the first time I've ever heard the song out of Second Chronicles 7, 14. And we're pointing at all the prophets and how wrong they were. That's not what the Bible says. Don't worry about those national prophets that are prophesying things that Jesus already said are going to happen. Listen, you don't have to prophesy what Jesus already said. The word has already said it. You don't have to worry about those national predicting prophets who are trying to build their followers. You need to follow prophets who are trying to build followers of Jesus, not followers of their website. But stop and think about it. Where are we in this journey? We point our fingers at the prophets, but it says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves... They would pray. They would turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. You know why the heavens are shut up? Because we're shut up. He's waiting for the right prayer. He didn't say, if my prophets will prophesy the right president, then I'll heal the land. Listen, Trump, nor DeSantis, there's not a one of them that can heal this land. It's this house that's no longer a white house. It's a sepulcher. Whitewashed on the outside, but on the inside, it's filthy. It's wretched. It's rebellious. It's selfish. It's all about itself. 
That's why I said you got to die to yourself. You got to leave that carcass. You got to go throw it on the altar. I've smelt what I've come to learn, and I've had the aroma of the fragrance of God before. There's others in here that have been places they've smelt the same thing, or they've been other places I wasn't even at the same fragrance. And don't worry, just let your mind rest for just a second. People have already tried to prove it to be bubble gum, tried to prove it to be hand lotion, tried to prove it to be something this, that. I don't know why we want to prove God not existent. I don't know what, what, what that's about, other than I know this. We want to have the form of godliness, but we want to deny the power. Yeah. He said, from such people turn away. Do you want to be one that should be left behind? Or are you going to be the one that will leave behind what it takes to come from behind. You and I, we hold the keys to the healing of Hazel Green, to the healing of the land of Huntsville, Scottsboro, Fayetteville, wherever, wherever that. I don't know how big your territory is. I really don't. Your sphere. But he said, everywhere the soles of your feet go, you're not just working in Gurley, you're a missionary. You're an apostolic sent one. You know, one reason we don't come out of our seats is because we're, we're like little children waiting for the gifts. And you really miss the concept of what Christmas is really about. But we're waiting for well-known and well-heard and well-liked preachers and singers And they're getting the glory of Jesus. They're getting the glory of Jesus. I mean, literally, I honestly believe the day is coming that churches will be prostrate on their faces, worshiping. And I've tried this before. When I'm on the floor worshiping, I can't even hear myself. It's just dead. It just hits the floor. But I've had a vision that people will be laying prostrate on the floor worshiping and the volume of, of the voices will be louder in that moment than it would be if everybody was standing on their chair singing at the top of their lungs. And I said, what is it, Lord? He said, you're going to start hearing what I hear. You're going to start hearing the bleeding and the crying and the, and the passion of those laying them. There's a sound in the way you worship, not just the words you worship. And then he started to show me the accompaniment of angels. I mean, you have to ask yourself, there's things that God has spoke to me years ago that are coming back and becoming more real today than they ever were before. Why do we see more demonic things than we do angelic things? When the math tells us in the Bible, there are two-thirds, two-thirds angels and one-third demons. If there's more angels, twice as many angels as there are demons, why do we see more demonstrative things in the demonic than we do supernatural things in the angelic? Because we really don't believe in that. But the angels don't even want to hang with us because we don't worship like heaven. I mean, seriously, if you had a choice, if you had a choice to worship in heaven, or to worship in the church, where would you go? Not until the church starts to worship like heaven are we going to experience what heaven experiences. 
Our worship has got to shift. Now, I walked over to Pastor Eric in the middle of worship and, and had something that I felt like was, was right to say to him. I said, do you remember when worship was your biggest challenge? I mean, he, we would get on the phone, and I mean, he'd, he'd be sniffling, crying, saying, we need a breakthrough in this area. We need more people. We don't have this. We don't have that. We have that. He just wanted worship to break. You've come a long way. But isn't that so nice of God? And just like God, he's not going to let you stay there. I'm not rebuking you. I'm reproving. There, there's well people in here. I mean, I, literally, I know some of you. I know you inside and out. Some of you I know better than you know yourself. This altar should have been, literally should have been filled with sobbing tears tonight. I'm over to saying, do I go up there? Would I say something right now? He said, no, give them their opportunity. Give them their opportunity. I hope tomorrow morning, Pastor Frankie walks out here feeling like he carried something. He calls me up and says, I don't know what happened. In there. Yeah, I'll tell you what happened. We ought to press into the Lord. Don't miss another opportunity. These, I don't know how long they will stick around. We've been having some really sweet times at our church just in the last few weeks of worship. Just breakthrough worship. And then things start happening. And I get testimonies later that night. I get testimonies the next morning. But we've been preaching this too. have been preaching miracles will happen while we worship. And that's no, no vain thing, and it should be no amazing thing. I mean, the reality is God himself is miraculous. Stop and think about it. No beginning and no end. To you and I, it defies the law of nature to man. He is above and beyond us. He is miraculous. So anything he does would be miraculous. So it should not be that uncommon that God is doing miraculous. Every time he reintroduced himself back to his people, he did something supernatural, miraculous. Why? Because that's who he is, and that's who he wanted them to know. When that stuff was not happening, it's when the people were not with God. Okay, so I asked you, is there possible? This is not the message. This is the exhortation. I asked you, is there anything in your life that is keeping you from God? Now, I want to ask you this question. Could there perhaps be something in your life that is keeping God from you? Different perspective. Because we're at a point in our life, we think, I've done this and I've done that. and this. Everybody in here knows I'm radical. Everybody in here knows I'm a worshiper. I mean, you you tell them before what you had for your quiet time in the morning. You you tell them what they're wearing tomorrow night. I mean, you, you got this whole flow, and everybody's like, you are so spiritual. But why is God not with you? Isaiah, if you want me to sound real spiritual, Isaiah. He said, on behalf of God, he said, is my arm too short? Is my ear too dull? Is there some reason you think I can't hear you? And I can't reach you? He said, it has nothing to do, I'm translating now. He said, it has nothing to do with my ear and my hand, my arm. It's your sin that keeps me from you. Why is there not what we've been praying for? Is God not ready? Is he packing his guns? Has he not prepped enough to get ready? We see from our perspective, there's still something about us that is keeping him from us. 
something about us. Do not measure what you used to be to be good enough to where you are. Start to realize where you could be and stop being who you've been. Are you with me? We are so... The only destiny we have is His presence. The only hope that we have is His presence. The only chance that we have is His presence. When Jesus came... From the very get-go, get up, and here we go. He became man like you and me. Jesus, the name Jesus was one of the most common names of that time. Common. Would have been made the list of the most popular boy's name. Jesus. Would have been the name. That just showed you he absolutely identified with the identification of man. The most common aspect of common man. But that was not his only name. He said, and you shall call him Jesus, but he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. Now, one of the biggest concerns that that we find ourselves in concerning matters I see the church with is that they realize that, that for God, nothing's impossible. But that is not what God said. God said, with me, nothing is impossible. But we have this mindset, God can do anything, but we don't have the mindset, with God, I can do all things. Through Christ. Through Christ. Not through Baptists, not through uh, uh, Episcopalian, not through non-denominationalism, but through Christ. Through Christ. The most important thing for you, the presence prepares you for the person. You start to come into the, uh, the atmosphere of him. But you have got to learn in Christianity that you must go beyond, listen to me, you must go beyond the complacency, the satisfaction, the liturgical concept that it is enough to have Jesus in you. You must be in him. And when he comes back, listen to me, When he comes back, you must be in faith, and you must have faith, and your faith must be your victory of the world. He's not coming back for a maimed and lame bride, not one with wrinkle, not one with blemish. We've got to shake something off of us that we've accepted. Now, listen, you're saying, well, you can't say I'm that way. I already did. I saw you in worship. We're complacent. We came to this place and did what was time that time of service, I honestly believe we should probably still be worshiping right now. I honestly believe that. Honestly. I've shared this story numerous times. I'll abbreviate it. I was in Haiti. Never been to Hades. Been close, but I was in Haiti. And I was in a church. The Shekinah glory of God came in the church. It was coming in. We're worshiping. Literally just worshiping. They're, they're singing in Creole. I was singing in English. We're all singing in the spirit. The glory cloud comes down. It's coming down. I am now, I see it tangible. I see it. As these lights, I see the cloud. It's, it's a foot and a half into the ceiling. It's coming down, filling every aspect. It's all level, flat, coming down. And the interpreter rang the bell. The glory went, shoo, the people sat down. I said to the interpreter, I said, why did you ring that bell? Do not interpret our conversation. Why did you ring that bell? He said, oh, it's time for you to preach. This is when the preaching starts. We had taught them 
It's an assembly of God's church, planted and built by the assemblies of God, and they went over and did all the things. We had obviously taught them. I'm saying we because I'm Pentecostal, charismatic, as much as any of them. We had taught them how to hold a church service, but not how to host the presence of God. If his house, listen to me, I'm, I'm trying to land this plane. If his house in the latter days, first of all, you have to accept and believe we are in the latter days. You have to. And, 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 and listen to me. If you do not comprehend that yet, you might be young. You may be missing an understanding. And young usually is lacking wisdom. Uh, but maybe you're ignorant or defiant or daft. Everything in Matthew 24 is happening exactly like Jesus said it happened these times. In sequence. In sequence. But the Bible also tells us that the gates of hell will not prevail. They will not prevail. It tells us, and everything that Jesus did shows us, that the latter days for the church are going to be greater than the former days. We're not even near the latter days. We're nowhere near it. But we still have the promise the latter days are going to be greater. Haggai says this. Now I could go through one prophet after another after another and show you that in the latter days, his house is going to be filled with the glory of God. With the glory of God. That's what we're trying to prepare for. I'm telling you, I've been a few places. I know there's other people in here that most likely have been a few places. When the glory comes, the ministers can't minister. Can't minister. So the glory I'm talking about is not here right now. Don't walk away and say, that was a glorious church service. Then a desire for the glory of God. Amen? To be filled with the glory of God. Well, good evening. It's uh, good to be with you guys tonight. It's an honor to be here. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. I was hoping that Pastor Eric was going to say one thing in that introduction, and I, uh, I, I'm uh, ashamed that he didn't. I wish he would have. Can I see that? I was uh, uh, kind of embarrassed that he didn't for myself personally. I thought, well, I've got to work on something. We're friends also. I consider Pastor Eric and Carrie friends, genuine people. Uh, I enjoy getting around them and hearing what they have to say, knowing what they feel. I don't get to spend as much time with them, and maybe Joe and Lisa might get to spend with them or or other pastors in this area. And I'm so proud of the pastors in this area. I cannot begin to tell you. You have something going for you that you don't realize is going for you. There's pastors meeting together in this area. And where the brethren are gathered together in unity, there will be a commanded blessing. I wrestled all afternoon, Brother Dale, over a passage out of the Old Testament or one out of the New Testament. I mean, wrestled. I told Gretchen when I was getting ready to come, I said, I'm tired. I'm tired from seeking for the word. You know, I was wrestling back and forth and back and forth, and I walked in the back, and I get asked this quite often, and, and, and he said, do you have any notes? And I said, I don't have any notes. I don't. I said, but I could give you a scripture. He said, are you preaching out of the New Testament? I said, I am. And you could see the sweat dry up on his forehead. He said, well, I forgot my Bible, and this is all I had here at the church was a little New Testament thing. So only friends can do that kind of stuff. 
That's for you that have just found the book of Mark, okay? The book of Mark. Father, I'm asking for your grace tonight. I'm asking, Lord, that you just move us where you want us to be and take us where you need us to be, where we weren't able to get. That's what's so good about this is that you have grace to usher us, to influence us, to draw us. I want something miraculous to happen tonight, Lord, something supernatural, something amazing to happen. So, Lord, would you come? Because that can't happen without you. Leave your mark on this service. Leave your mark on these lives. Leave your mark on this church. Lord, not just a prophecy, not just a word of knowledge, but I mean something like just that man can't even say. Man doesn't even know that people can walk out and say, that wasn't connected to a ministry. God did that in my life. So have your way, Lord, and as you move, if you want to use my tongue, go for it, Lord. Help me to speak truth. Slay the enemy, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. I landed in Texas the other day. You can go to actually to Mark chapter 5. Uh, and I was in Texas, I landed in Texas, and I texted a friend of mine who's a minister in Texas. I said, hey, I'm in Texas for a couple of nights. And his, his direct response was, was this. Kill some demons while you're here. I don't know if that's really scriptural, but I knew what he meant. I knew exactly what he meant. Uh, listen, we don't want any unclean spirit in here. I want you to do something with me. I want you to say something. I'm going to say it, then I want you to say it after me. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Amen. They can't stand in those places. Go with me to, to, to Mark chapter 5. We're going to pick up in verse uh, 21. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. There's something that is stirring in my spirit, and I'm not going to go and build the whole uh, thesis of this thing, but what is building in my spirit is, is Jesus is getting ready to do some things again. Things that I've tasted, things that I've seen, things that I've prayed about, things that have occurred here, he's getting ready to do it again. He crossed over back over the river, and he came back again. Listen to me. There are things that he did in your life. There's things that you have experienced that you remember, that you go back. They build your faith. I'm here to tell you he's getting ready to do it again. I want to say this to you. Here he comes. I want to tell you he's not just coming to return. He's coming to perform. He's coming to establish. He's coming to equip. He's coming to heal. He's coming to repair. He's coming to renew. He is coming in a wonderful, wonderful manner. Verse 22, and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus, by the name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Notice what's going on here. You have in your mindset that the religious people who just go to church, or the Jews, or the, or the Pharisees, or those people, that they just, they, they don't want God. They don't want God. You know, we sing a song, the cynical can come into his presence and find faith, right? I want you to see right here, when Jesus is 
present, anything's possible. Even Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, is seeking Jesus. He's looking for a... That's just revival, friends. This is excitement. When all of a sudden you see a Roman Catholic priest come walking into Grace Family Worship Center. You, you see the Southern Baptists come in. You see the Lutheran come in. You see the Pentecostal come in. And they come in, they're hungry because something is happening. We need a Jesus back in the house of God that does things that man cannot do, that does things that man needs, that man cannot do for what that man needs. The only one who can do it is the man of God, Jesus Christ himself. And that's why there's a stirring here. He is excited. He's wanting it. He heard from somebody. He saw it somewhere. He was in a court case somewhere. And he was in a a ruling, drinking coffee with somebody somewhere. And they were talking about this Jesus that did miracles. And they're talking about killing him. And he's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I've got somebody dying. Why would I kill the one who's the only one that can heal the one that is dying that nobody can heal? I mean, he's in revival. He's having a... Re- that is our Jesus, friends. It's the same Jesus today. He can still heal the sick. He can still raise the dead. You better hope he can raise the dead because that's what resurrection is. And if you don't believe that he can raise the dead, you don't really believe in a resurrection. You've built in your own theology. It is not true. You're deceived. And Jesus said, do not be deceived. Jesus, resurrection from the dead, is resurrection from the dead. He can raise the dead. He did it. He can do it again. Look at your neighbor and say, he can do it again. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Listen, you don't, you, you, you read that, but you need to hear that. That is described as worship. That would be like you and I saying, I fall on bended knee and I throw out stretched out hands. If we really believed at work, we'd do it. You say, well, you know what? I can't do it because because 20 years ago I bummed up my knee. Try it. Might get healed on the way down. Or he might put a little bit more to it because he knows it costs you more. It's all about sowing. It's all about giving to God. Come on, somebody. I'm getting you out of your comfort zone right now. I'm calling the cattle home. You know you're going to the slaughter, but nevertheless, you're going to be worth something. Amen? He's worshiping. He is, he's, he's submitting himself. He realizes I'm a ruler of the synagogue. He should treat me just an average. His name's just Jesus. But I see him as king. I see him as Emmanuel. I see him as one that, that God has his hand on. And I'm first and foremost submitted to God. And he submitted himself to Jesus. He's worshiping him. And begged him earnestly. You know, one of the biggest difficulties that we have in our worship or hindrances we have in our worship is, is society and, and, and what is created for us and what is established for us. And, and we don't have to beg anymore. We don't have to beg anymore. I know what it's like to beg. And I, I know what it's like to beg for drugs. I know what it's like to beg for other things. I know what it's like to go to dark places and, and to lonely places and, and places that are costly and places uh, that could cause things and, and to beg. Do you seek God like you used to seek the world? Have you begged for a job before? But I also know what it's like to be at the very mercy of God. 
and to have nothing more than 47 cents in my hand and be married with children. And my children not able to get something. My wife not able to go to the grocery store. And not able to this, that, or the other thing. And your situation may be different than mine. And I know what it's like to go into the garage and thank God there was a little piece of carpet that my knees dropped on because otherwise they'd be skinned for life. And to fall in desperation and beg God to do something when there was no possible way in the natural anything could be done. And it happened. Are you willing to become a beggar? Is there the possibility that 2020 was working for us and not against us? Is there the possibility that those that have taken advantage of that, uh, of that epidemic and of that pandemic and, and, and tried to make a political cause out of it, whatever you see things, that maybe even they are still working for us to help strip us down, to have to beg once again? You know, I think that there's a, Quite obvious, there's not, a, there's not the war that there really needs to be because there's not the concern that we really should have because we're still getting everything we want and everything we think that we need. It's in the 401K. It's in the bank down the road. Uh, it's in the driveway. It's in the garage. It's in the freezer and the backup freezer. There's nothing wrong with being blessed unless it's robbed your beggar. When it comes to God. I sat at my dining room table this morning. With the family. And shared with them. That God, God's favor in our life. And the good things he's doing. But yet calling out for him. I don't want my blessings to, to, to rob. Or to overtake my beggar. We need a begging church once again. Beseeching him. Crying out to him. He begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. I'm going to throw this over to you. I'm going to encourage other churches that are here uh, to, to pick up on this. Uh, but I shared uh, recently at our church on the, uh, the doctrine of the laying on of hands. And ever since we've been doing it, people are getting healed. Because now we remember we're not just doing it because it's what you do when you do it and you just go through it. It's just an action there. We're like, oh, no, that's what it does. The Bible releases through laying of hands healing. It just does. I, I, I charge you. I exhort you. I encourage you. If you're so country, I double dog dare you. Lay hands on somebody. Not suddenly. You feel they say they're sick. They say they're hurting. Lay hands on them. Best I've checked since 1950, the prayer chain on the phone isn't working too good. Got to be in touch. Why was Jesus' ministry so prevalent? He was in touch. He was in touch. Now, remember, there's things in your life that you have that doesn't let you get to God, but there's things in your life that doesn't let God get to you. It doesn't matter who gets to who. You just got to get to. Amen? So he's begging. He's crying out. He said, would you come and lay your hands that she may be healed? Listen to this. And that she may live? No, and she will live. Let me ask you that. Do you have that kind of faith? Do you have that kind of faith? Or is it, is it a kind of sort of faith? I'm not sure. Maybe. I don't know. Listen to me, friends. 
literally, there is no need for healing in heaven. Did you get to heaven? This body ain't going. I'm not saying everybody's going to get healed, but I'm saying everybody has the opportunity, and this is the best time. Because you won't need that bum knee in heaven. You just won't. So healing is for it's now, here and now. I ever say it, here and now. Healing is for here and now, right? And that shows that your faith is working. This guy, even though he wasn't a person of the same faith, somebody asked me something years ago. I said, well, what faith are you? Look, who on earth am I talking to? I thought we're both Christians. What their meaning was, am I A-G, C-G, P-P-S-R-B, Maybe you've had those conversations. There's one faith, friends. One faith. And I got news for you. You're going to have one faith. And it's yours. It's yours. This man is using his faith. He's standing on his faith. You know why? Somebody testified. He heard about it. Now he actified. He heard it, and it caused his faith to rise up. Maybe he had just had the thought, wouldn't that be so cool if that Jesus guy was walking through our town right now? I don't even know where he's at. I don't even follow. What? Excuse me. Would you? The, 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 the guy? Yeah. Really? Oh, you guys think we should kill him? Listen, I'll get back to that conversation. Where's he at? His faith came up. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Listen, you, you need to understand the power of your testimony. <laughs> your testimony ain't your voice. Because the healing you got, God healed you. And when you talk about the healing, God's talking. That's the word of God. Your testimony is the word of God. When Mary walked in and she said, hi, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, she said the baby leaped in her belly. She was filled with the spirit. He was baptized with the spirit. She was filled because it was inside of her. He was baptized. He leapt. A spiritual surge jumped up inside. It was at her greeting. What's so huge about that? Who's in her? She's carrying the word of God. Very first day. Carrying the word of God. She talks. And the very vibrations of the word of God himself starts to speak through her. You say, oh, that's that's just weird stuff. You're one of those weird spiritual talker guys. Now you really drive me nuts on that kind of stuff. Just get back to the ABCs. No, 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 it is is ABCs. You see, that's the spirit of God in you too. When you and I speak, it ought to cause somebody to leap. Now, and I'm going to go back to something to worship. All right? And, and don't go running off. Goodness gracious, I'm so happy. You guys still have Shoney's around here somewhere? Do you remember Sunday nights we started running to Shoney's and talk about things or whatever? Don't go goofing off talking about this. But when A.J. stepped up there, he was actually a prophet. Now everybody's going to go run. Hey, he said you're a prophet. And he's going to put it on his face. No, no, that's what I'm talking about. Listen to me. But it grieved me. If somebody has to tell you to worship, it's because you couldn't hear God yourself. That's how far you are from God in that worship time. Sure. That would be a mic dropper? Was it drop, drop the mic? Sound man's back again. <laughs> dropping my mic. Be the head slapper. Listen to me. This is why we have New Testament prophets. 
It's because God loves people so much because of the sin in their heart, the lack of faith in their heart, the ignorance in their heart, they can't hear God. And God's like, okay, so what I'll do is I'll let somebody else hear me and let them tell them. That's how much I love them. When somebody, think about that. If somebody else comes and say, okay, clap your hands, you're like, You say, I I know what you're going to say. Brother, you need to understand something. I worship my way. You worship your way. Get your Bible out. The Bible tells you how to worship. Oh, it does. It says throw your hands up. It says clap them. It says shout. It says sing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs and just make a melody in your heart. That's what it says. Don't tell me you got your own worship. Do you have your own Bible? Listen to me. I'm not trying to play with you. I'm serious. It tells you how to worship. It tells you to get on your knees. I can't sit there and say, I'm on my knees. He's like, no, you're not. It's almost too simple. It's way too complicated for us. Way too complicated. And we wonder why our lives aren't fruitful. We have the spirit of Michael on us. Because we judge somebody else's worship, we won't worship like them. I was in a prayer meeting some years ago in the courtyard of our plaza. There was five of us who got together to pray for our city. We got in there, we we're holding hands, and, and this brother from another church that, that I didn't really know, is just a, is an elderly retired veteran, and, and he said, he opened up, he said, oh, Lord. He said, I prostrate myself before you. I opened up my eyes, I'm like, I've got a seat. Honestly, I did. I opened my eyes. I said, I got to see this. It's good. He's getting ready to throw himself on the ground. The way he was praying sounded like he was going to, but he didn't. Well, it's just a figure of speech. Aren't you happy God doesn't have just a figure of speech? Do you know that God doesn't just have a figure of speech? God has a voice that thunders. Listen to me. You say, well, how does that fit in, preacher? Well, okay, I'm happy you're asking. My sheep... Know my voice. We know preachers. We know worship leaders. Do you know the voice of Jesus? Do you know his voice? He's begging him. Lay hands on her. She will live. He spoke by faith. She will live. Notice he didn't even go, she will not die. When you're still saying, will not die, you're still, you're still hinged to the dying part. When you're over here and saying, she will live, death ain't got no chance. He's prophesying the narrative of her life. So Jesus went with him. What? Show a swirling cloud and an open heaven and a bright light and trumpets started to play. When was the last time Jesus said, oh, let's go with you? He just went with him. But he didn't just ask him. Begged him. Earnestly. By faith. Separated himself from everybody else. Worshipped him. Fell at his feet. So Jesus went with him. Can I just kind of put the tagline in front of you? So Jesus went with you. 
What are you going to do that will make him simply do what you need him to do? Jesus didn't go through some equation and said, um, <clears throat> you need to go do J38, Grace Academy. When, once you get done with Grace Academy, then I'll anoint you. Listen, we're called to be followers of Jesus. Now Jesus is following him. Could you imagine have such an influence that Jesus just goes with you? Wouldn't that be something if tonight your marriage is struggling, have a prodigal son, somebody at home with a fever, and you are so persuasive tonight, and you got up, Jesus is like, I'll go with you. You're like, can we stop at Dairy Queen? He's like, no, you asked me to go to your house. Right? Don't let those cravings and desires of this world get you off track of the plan of God. Amen? How many of y'all would like Jesus to go with you tonight? So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. We won't take time, though. Verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things suffered many things from many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse that's a very seemingly dark dark scripture for that woman in that very dark dark place of her life listen again she's a certain woman this this is specific to her and let me tell you something, there will be things specific to you. Other people may not comprehend and understand, but Jesus knows all things. You don't have to compare your certain thing with somebody else's certain thing to make your certain thing worse than theirs and not have compassion for theirs. Okay? This is what she's going through. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm sure you've been through something. I'm sure you're possibly going through something, and I'm definite that you're probably going to go through something sometime in your life. Okay? So here she is. This certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She's bleeding, friends. She's discharging blood. Uh, Her lifeline, uh, her energy, her iron, her balances, everything is flowing. She's losing energy for 12 years. She's depleting. She's bleeding. Are you with me? How many of y'all know that you need blood to live? And she suffered many things. She was in a suffering moment of her life. She was, this was long going. It was hardship. It was difficulty. Many things, listen, from many physicians. That word suffer does not just mean the pain, but it also means that you allow things. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. When he said that, strangely, he said, allow. I know you don't want this to happen. And think about when somebody gets the big C or somebody gets a a terminal illness, cancer or something, there comes this huge debate and there comes this huge wrestling. Do I take the chemo? Do I not? Do I do this? If I take the chemo, maybe the Lord won't heal me. That's literally what people are saying. She took them all. Anything, Trinity, that was available, she did it. She allowed many things. Uh, We've got a new test coming out. What is it? We're going to rub potatoes all over your forehead. I don't know what they did back then. But they don't have what we have now. Try this pill. Try that pill. Try this. Try that. She suffered many things 
from many physicians, and none of them did her any good, so it hurt even more. What's hurting now? Disappointment, discouragement. She's in despair. I mean, she is, she is going downward, spiraling down, downward. Her blood count is dropping. Are you with me? I hope that somewhere in here you can, you can start getting some compassion for her. Start getting some compassion for her. Start feeling that. Because when you start to get those kind of descriptions and you don't have any feelings, there's something missing. It's called the compassionate one. Jesus was full of compassion. He was moved with compassion. The reason we don't do what needs to be getting done is we have no compassion like they deserve it. I don't know why they're begging for a job and food. It says they're hiring right down there. You want to work there? No, but they should. No compassion. No understanding. Maybe they just got fired from there, and that's why it says they're hiring down there. You you don't know that. But listen to me, friends. We need to get filled up with compassion. We need to care and be concerned about other people. If we're not, we will not see the movement that we think we're going to see. Listen, I can prophesy all day long, but I don't have love. It'll amount to nothing. 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 You can go out and tell and preach the best messages, sing the best songs, but if you don't love them, if you just want to get the show over and move on, it's going to amount to nothing unless there's love. Can somebody say amen? I hadn't been in that place in a long time feeling about to preach to myself. Friends, we need compassion. When Jesus moved compassion, he healed everybody. Everybody just couldn't stop. He'd go all night long, all night long. And listen, Jesus was a watchman, so he didn't have to have a watch to look at. He knew what time it was. Time was short. He only had three and a half years. and He was going to do the most. He was going to redeem the time because the days were evil. I don't know there's ever been a more evil day than there is today. We need to redeem the time, amen? Okay. Are you with me? All right. So she's suffering. She had spent, she's broke. She had spent all that she had and was no better. Okay? She's distressed. She has financial difficulties. But rather, she's not just not better. She's not just like holding. She's getting worse. Everything is piling on top of everything else. We have a tendency when things aren't working, they're getting worse, to try to bail and get away from it. We have got to get closer to it. We need to be the rescue bell in the yard of hell. Amen? When she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, and when she heard about Jesus, I said it three times, one for you, one for you, and one for you. Do you realize that you're part in this thing? You may be saying, I just, I'm laying on the hands. You may be the person telling somebody about the person who can do something. Most people in the Bible came to Jesus because somebody told them about Jesus. That's called evangelism. You're like, I don't, I just don't know if I can go out and preach on the streets. Uh, you know, listen, take the pee off it and just reach. Just reach them. Man, this guy named Jesus saved my life. He changed me. What was your problem? I was addicted to ice cream, man, but I'm not anymore. You're like, oh, that's not really big. Don't wait till they have lactose intolerance. The guy who got off of ice cream being addicted to it is not going to have lactose intolerance, but the guy still eating it is. He's going to need something to heal him. Here's my point. You don't have to have some huge testimony 
You just need to have a testimony of Jesus. And you start telling somebody about Jesus, you can tell them what he did in my life. You can tell them what he did in somebody else's life. They're going to be more prompted to go to him when they have a need. It's called evangelism. It's not that hard. Amen? Certain women have this flow. She's, she's distressed. She's troubled. She heard about Jesus. Listen, she came from behind. Have you ever seen your team up there? They're playing ball. They're doing something. And they're playing golf. And they're down by 10 strokes. And all of a sudden, you're like, you're like how'd they get on the leaderboard? How'd they get on the score? Oh, my goodness, we've got a game. Have you ever left a ball game thinking it was over? Then all of a sudden you turn on the radio in the car and you're going, oh, that game's over. You're like, huh, huh, huh? And you turn back and there's a traffic jam. You can't get in there. Don't leave the game. Oh, listen, she wasn't getting any better. She was getting worse. Now she comes from behind. Friends, there's a rally for the church. There's a come from behind. It may seem like Jesus already passed you by. It may seem like your opportunity's already been missed, but you can come from behind and reach into the situation. She comes from behind to reach in and, and, and behind him in the crowd and touch the garment. I want to get into all this. There's a crowd. There's only one person in here that likes crowds, two preachers. We're the only ones that like crowds. Everybody else is like, can we get bigger seats and kind of span out a little bit? I need room for my... We have to put all of our stuff there. She's in a crowd that's not comfortable in a crowd. She's pushing through people. Listen to me, friends. I'm going to say this to you. She's a bloody mess. She's a bloody mess. I guarantee you she's dirty. There's a stench on her. She's like, I don't care what you think right now. I am so desperate. I heard about this guy. It's the only hope I've heard in the last 12 years. Years, everything else was hope deferred. She has a sick heart now. She's discouraged. Perhaps there's somebody in here right now. You're discouraged. Heart sick. Have no hope. You too can come from behind. She said, if, if only, if only. Don't have a plan B when it comes to seeking Jesus. Do you hear me? Do not have an alternative route when it comes to seeking Jesus. The biggest problem today with the church is that we have other churches to go to. Because if we can't get or we're not doing it the way they want to do it, they'll just go to church somewhere else. We need to have a church that is only Jesus. Only Jesus. Your only answer is going to be Jesus. It's not what I can do for you. It's not how your pastor can do something for you. She said, if only, no other way, if only I could touch his clothes. His clothes. And maybe she, she's, she's so desperate, she wants to get the first thing she can come to. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. If I get to go, I shall be made well. Listen, she didn't say, perhaps, maybe, I don't know, maybe if I could just touch, possibly, we'll see. No, no, she, she's like Jairus. She said, if only... She's throwing all those other thoughts out. If I could just touch the hem of his clothes, I shall be made well. She declared it. She's taking responsibility. She's using her faith. And I'm almost done. She's using her faith. Listen to me. Faith walks and faith talks. Do you hear me? Faith don't sit on its rump. 
You have come to as a church here at Grace of 20 years of completed, perfected waiting. It is time to press into. It is time to reach into your promises and every prophecy ever spoken over your life or ever spoken over this church. This is the time. This is the hour. Your salvation is nearer than it's ever been before. Don't you hang and hinge on the salvation you had 30 years ago. Your salvation draweth nigh. It is not yet complete. Everything that he wants to do in this life he will fulfill in this life if you will only reach in and use your faith. Immediately. Immediately. Very next word. Immediately. The fountain of her blood was dried up. Now listen, friends. It didn't say the seeping, the dripping, the spotting. Fountain. Fountain, I know you're in bad shape right now. I know you may be troubled and difficult right now. Could you a moment, just one moment with me, think of a fountain of blood running out of you? A fountain. Or maybe a fountain of love dripping, flowing, running out of your heart. Now, we're not talking about a a little drip, drip. A fountain flushing out of her. Immediately, it stopped. Immediately, it stopped. Can I point something out to you? Jesus has not said a word. But faith walks, and faith talks, and faith reaches. He's still walking by faith. Oh, you need to know he is. Because just about anywhere he went, they wanted to kill him. Not clothe him. Not pay him. They wanted to kill him. So he had to walk by faith, not by sight. Could you imagine walking by sight and being Jesus and seeing all the troubled people? But he's walking in faith. She's reaching in faith. The two touch. And immediately, because of her touch, it stops. She reaches him by faith. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. That's where I wanted to get tonight, not to preach from here. I want to show you what he showed me. She was healed of her affliction. It did not say that she was healed of her blood issue, of the flow of blood, of the loss of blood. It didn't say she was healed of her this, that, or the other thing. That is inclusive, but she was healed of her affliction. For some reason, the Holy Spirit put the word affliction in this story. Mark, the doctor, saw the friend of Luke, the doctor, he saw it as affliction. Let me describe to you what affliction is. The experience of evil, suffering, Distress, perseverance. She is being delivered and restored of everything that happened. No, no, remember. Uh, listen, all the things that happened, experience of evil. She is going through spiritual warfare. There's generational curse. There's confusion. There's fear. There's unbelief. There's torment in her life. Because affliction represents all of that. 
You know as well as I know that when God doesn't do what you want him to do or you're not getting what you thought the doctor was going to do, that you start to go through a spiritual conflict, a spiritual battle, a spiritual war. In that moment when she touched the hem of his garment, the spiritual battle was over. He delivered her. He set her free. She had reached her destiny. She had reached her post. She had reached the point where she needed to be. Not only experience of evil, suffering represents pain, discomfort, forced to endure. Can't but have to. Here she is sick, 12 years sick, broke, homeless, obviously, had, could not pay any bill or anything in her life, and she's suffering. She's having to go through what she's going through. She can't get to where she wants to, but she has to keep going. She's suffering. And in that moment, all the pain was over. She didn't feel better because she couldn't feel the bad anymore. She's set free. Affliction. Affliction. Affliction represents distress which literally is economic decline or difficulty. Well, she obviously was in that because says she spent everything she had. All the doctors took all of her money. In that moment, how I don't know, but in that moment, her financial problems were over. When she got to Jesus, her financial problems were over. When I clung on to that 47 cents, And I dropped on my knees in that moment when I touched the heart of God or the hem of heaven, when I touched it, my financial problems were over. Not that there won't be trials and tribulations. Not that there won't be difficulties. Not that there won't be infirmities. Not that there won't be challenges. Not that there won't be distresses. But I'm telling you, when you get to Jesus and we teach people how to get to Jesus, it will all be healed. Solved. Restored perseverance she continued she gave effort even in failures opposition rigorous conditions she's now walking free you know what it's like to get up to go to work when you don't want to go to work but you know you have to you know what it's like to be in a situation that you you have to give your all to do it it's strenuous. It's exasperating. It's, it's wearisome. And in that moment, so she wasn't just healed, flow of blood. Many, many years ago, something shot in my eye. Doctor couldn't find it. I couldn't see out of it. It was getting worse and worse. I could only see out of one eye, and, and it was straining, so it's giving headaches. Prayed and prayed and prayed. I was sitting in the second row of a church where Pastor Dub, Gretchen's dad, pastored. You guys remember the Four Max restaurant? It was in that building. And I'm rocking in the second row way before Lou Engle. I'm rocking, not because it was cool and it looked spiritual. And I'm rocking. And all of a sudden I said, Lord, I don't think I need my eye healed as much as I need my spirit healed. Open up my eyes. Perfect vision. No pain, no nothing. I think there is something deeper going on in this lady 
than just the flow of the blood. There's something she needed deliverance from. There's something she needed help with. And that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that the power had gone out of him, turned around to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? I was just in the DFW airport. I was in a tram. I was on a rental car bus. I was in an altar at a church two nights in a row. I could not tell you when somebody touched me that I would know who it was or even that I felt the power go out. Jesus is very sensitive to your touch. Very sensitive to your touch. Jesus, listen to me, is not untouchable. Jesus is not insensitive. Jesus cares. You can touch Jesus. You can reach Jesus. And until we reach Jesus, those that we teach Jesus to will not reach him until they know that he can be reached. But his disciples said to him, you, you see the multitude thronging around you, and you say, who touched me? Are you serious right now? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. I don't know how to describe this one to you. If we could have somebody come. Musician, please. Not the whole band yet, just a musician. Did you hear that? He said, who touched me? The disciples said, do you not see the crowd around you? How could you? I... Next line. He looked around to see her. He already knew who it was. He looked around to see her. Do you know what Jesus is looking for tonight? Who's going to touch him? You know what we're looking for tonight? What am I going to prophesy of you? Pretty much bottom line when it comes down to. I understand. You hear that guy gives words and he does that and he does this and stuff. I get that. Or we come to hear what kind of song and dance we're going to get from the pulpit. Are they going to sing my favorite song? He's going to look around at the end of this night. And here's the cool thing about it. Even if he didn't know who it was, he knew when he looked around, it would be obvious who had just experienced it. He knew he could see it in her face. He knew there'd be tears. He knew she'd probably still be on her knees. He knew that she would be in awe. He knew that she'd be in wonder. Listen to me. Why is it when we come to church, it's not obvious whether we've touched him or not? We're moving into an era. Listen, I'm just here to preach in respect to your 20 years. We're moving into an era, not error era of the awe of God. We're coming back into a season where the word's going to astound us, amaze us, and convict us, confirm us. We're coming into an age where the glory is going to manifest, where the power is going to perform. He came back over again on that side of the river. Listen to me. Do you not think when he was on 
the side before on the other side of the lake that he didn't know she was over there? He came back again. He's coming back again for you. He's coming back again for me. He's coming to do it again. And he looking around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. There's that worship again. We need to worship when we don't have him. Worship when we do get him. There's more in the Bible about being on your knees than we see in the church today. There there really is. There really is. And he said to her, watch this. He said to her, daughter, what's happening now? Did you hear that? Did you hear what I just said? Jesus isn't the Father, but God's with him. AJ, she didn't just get her healing. She got her sonship. She became a child of God. She's a dirtbag, scumbag. She's a beggar. She's, she's wounded. She's sick. She's washed up. She's getting worse and worse. He called her out just like he called Lazarus out. Just like he called you and I out. And he called her daughter. The Father is speaking through Jesus. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Now listen to who's talking. God's talking. God the Father. Are you with me? Are you smarter than a second grader? You watch the TV shows, but read the Bible. If I call somebody daughter, it's because I'm a father. He said, daughter. So God's speaking. Your faith has made you well. He he did not say, daughter, my son has made you well. He didn't say, daughter, the apostle that showed up that night with a fire in his hands made you well. He said, your faith made you well. You can get healed sitting right there. Get healed sitting right there. You can get healed sitting right there. You can get healed kneeled right here. You can get healed. What are you doing with your faith? What are you doing with your faith? We're still waiting for someone to do it for you. We're waiting for some highfalutin, high-floating, high... high uh, I won't go there. He said, your faith has made you well. So I ask you tonight, do you have anything in you that needs to be made well? And then he says to her, he said, go in peace. That word peace there literally means quietness and rest. Just go in quietness and rest. You you know, you deserve a rest. You've been wore out for 12 years. Just just go, go rest. He said, and be healed of your affliction. What Jesus was saying there, this is where things are going to start turning, Pastor Eric. I could call out tonight. Does anybody have a bad right elbow? They come up here and get prayed for the right, their bad right elbow, and they go back to the city still have a bad heart, still have a bad mind, still have a bad habit, still have a bad disease, still have something. 
No, no. When Jesus is allowed back into church to minister, is only Jesus going to heal? Minister, he's going to take the whole affliction. Everything that that bad elbow took from you, everything that disease took from you, everything that you had to go through, he's going to heal all things. You need to understand, Jesus works a work of restoration. He's not a partial God. He's a complete God. And I think sometimes we need to understand he wants to do a deeper work, not just the surface work. So I'm going to ask you tonight, is there anything you have need of? Is there any affliction that you're walking in? Any hardship you're experiencing? Is there anything you need to beg him for? Now listen, you may be saying, you know what, I'm all good. I'm here to tell you, in, in all love and truth, Listen, they don't have to serve me a dinner afterwards. They don't like what I say right now. You ain't good if you don't have compassion for somebody else. If you're satisfied with your Christianity, you can sit in that chair and think you're okay, so everything's okay, and this night is over. There's a loss and dying world outside of these doors, and until we care, but do not tell me God is in your heart, the God who so loves the world is in your heart if you don't love people in the world. Don't tell me. Something's missing. Something's missing. Somebody needs to come to the altar tonight and touch Jesus. Somebody needs to come to the altar tonight and touch Jesus. Somebody needs to come to this altar tonight and touch Jesus. Maybe you need the confidence to share your testimony with somebody else. Maybe you need the compassion to love others. Like somebody loved you when you came to Jesus. Can we come touch Jesus for just a moment? Can we come touch him? Stir in my heart, Lord God. Compassion. For the hurting. For the abandoned. For the neglected. For the forgotten. Lord, I'm asking you, break our hearts tonight. Break our hearts tonight. Break our hearts, oh God. Let us see them like you see them. Let us hear what you hear. Let us smell what you smell. But Lord, a church is not all right if it's not loving the lost. It's not reaching the broken. Get us out of our pews. Get us out of paying our dues. Get us to where you can use us for your glory, for your honor. Lord, I pray for and with those who are reaching for Jesus tonight to come out of their affliction, to come out of their bondage, come out of their discouragement, to come out of their pain, to be set free from their suffering, to liberate them, Lord God, from their distress. Oh, that we could touch you. Lord, all I know to do is to preach your word. She reached out and she touched you. And you did it because of her faith. Lord, may our faith arise. May our faith work. May our faith be useful, Lord God.